You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 339 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. And uh, we can hear the sound in the background. I don't know if we can clean that up in audio, but you're actually in the pouring rain and uh, I'm helping you out. It's practically cyclonic. Cyclonic, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the uh, east coast of Australia is uh, experiencing... And the floods. Floods. And it's a major weather event. Major <laughs> weather event. And so, Val, I've started building an arc. For you, yes. okay, and because uh, I've got my drop saw and doing all of that to get, okay. but but uh, and I'm very excited to uh, about this week's episode. We're going to do a deep dive uh, about what makes a portrait great. But uh, before we start, Val, um, yes. so as we were, you know, as we're getting ready for the podcast, we usually text each other to make sure that we're both um, okay, good to go, or we haven't been caught up doing something else. So I sent you a text, like it was fairly mm-hmm. long text by my standards, three lines, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I just got a why as in well why was the answer the the letter why no no that's for yes yeah yeah, i get that but it's like i'm like (laughs) hang on is that a passive aggressive reply (laughs) or then i'm like hey maybe she's in a hostage situation so i was going to send you another text going are you okay (laughs) just send another send another why if you are or do i need to call the police (laughs) It's like, you know, I think I've been watching too many of those shows. Uh, uh, but, you know, so you so, you, so, so. you weren't annoyed but- at me because that's something because, you know, when someone sends me a 15-paragraph text, I've sent back <laughs> just the letter K and then they come back and you go, you can't do that. That's that's rude. <laughs> the reason I sent you a why was because I was answering you via my watch. And because my phone was goodness knows where, but I receive text messages on my watch and I can reply, and, but I have to draw the letters out on the watch with my finger. And oh, it takes too so long. It, it was just easier just to send you a Y because I knew that you would understand that that was short for yes. Okay. <laughs> I figured it out in the end, but it took a lot of brain power for me to work it out. But I did think you were in a hostage situation and I'm very happy that you're not, uh, but you're in a uh, sort of lot of rain, torrential rain situation, really. If you are in a hostage situation, yeah. I would strongly suggest because yeah. I've thought oh, this have through. you? Of course you have. <laughs> Yes, that you get because there's a walk. If you have a watch and you have friends who have the watch, there's a walkie-talkie app on your watch, so you can just use it as a walkie-talkie. Um, obviously, your friend needs to accept your, you know, that you're a correspondent with them. But I think that because you can just walkie-talkie and say, "I'm in the boot of the car," or whatever. No, I would actually have a one-word 
uh, one word that you send out to your friends if you've got that opportunity to text them that that is the word that they know that you're in a hostage situation okay so we should word. actually agree on that now no i just need to know val so what would the word be <clears throat> hostage <laughs> no that's too obvious because people might recognize it we will get to photography at oh. some point, but this is important in case any photographer is ever in a hostage situation. I don't know, Gina, you just tell me what word you would like. How about um, banana? Okay. All right, so if I ever send you, you that word, banana. Val, you know I'm in a hostage situation, send help. Right. Okay. Okay, it's very useful information. Mm. Yeah. I still think my walkie-talkie idea is better because you can say I'm heading west on the Burnley Tunnel. In the hostage, in the boot of a car. Right, okay. Mm. Smarter. All right. Well, either or. Rather than banana. Yeah, right. Because then you could get confused and go, huh? Because you've forgotten this whole conversation. She wants me to go to the supermarket to get bananas. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to photography. What are we talking about now? So we've got an iTunes review, Val. What? do you want me to read it out if you don't see it? <laughs> yeah, I can't see it. <laughs> um, all right, so Gold from Australia and uh, it says, spoke with you, Gina, on Clubhouse, my new addiction, Val, and found you here providing yes. such a great value from your podcast. Great topics and in-depth conversations and commercial um, and dot, 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 and that's from commercial photographer Anders uh, from Denmark, and he, then he says, "Count me in." Fantastic, They're fantastic. yes, and it was—it's it, great. great. So if you're on Clubhouse and you see me in a room, come and say hi and have a chat. I've uh, been talking to uh, many of you in there and uh, still enjoying it. At some point, I'll start some rooms myself. So yeah, lots of fun, Val. Great to have people all the way from Denmark mm. and other parts of the world listening to the podcast. So from wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us. What else is happening in Gina World? So Gina? we did uh, the uh, Gold uh, AMA last week, which was fantastic. And uh, so that's the Ask, Ask Me, Me anything. anything. So and uh, also I did a, a big shoot uh, last week, a uh, big lifestyle shoot. I'll chat about that in relation to this subject uh, a bit more later in the um, in the podcast. But yeah, so. Uh, yeah, working with the Goldies and Val, their lighting is getting so good. And what's what I love is like everyone's at a different level, but the amount of support and encouragement everyone gives each other is just fantastic. And um, it's just so good to see someone who uh, has never uh, done any lighting before and then, you know, they do all the drills and then it all just clicks together and then they yeah. go off. And I don't know anything about this. And then they just drop their photos and they go, oh, yeah, I did this on the weekend. Everyone's going, wow. It's well, so yeah, exciting. Amazing. So I've been, um, you know, seeing lots yeah. of amazing work. And, uh, you know, welcome to – we've had uh, quite a few new members come in this week. So welcome to the new members. And uh, it's, yes, it's an exciting time, Val. I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. And, well, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the gold community – Have a listen to this.
This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I love teaching photographers from all levels, such as beginners who are learning to shoot in manual mode to professional photographers wanting to improve their lighting skills. As a Gold member, you can learn at your own pace and skill level. Here's what Fran Solly had to say. In the Gold Community, truly does mean that you've got a mentor and that you've got a network of people. The the thing I really like too is that even though now after, you know, five years in business and, and after having been part of the Goldies from the beginning, I send you a photo to critique, you always push me to the next level. There's always something more to learn and something else to refine. That's just great because, you know, you're so good with people just starting out. It's also pushing those of us who've been around for a little while to to keep improving and to keep trying new things and expanding. When the uh, Getting Off Auto lessons came out, I I just devoured them. So, and it's just made such a difference. So now I feel really confident. If somebody rings up and says, Hey Frank, can you shoot this job for us? I have the skills to be able to do it. Oh, I would recommend the Gold Community to anybody. If you are remotely interested in improving your photography, particularly if you're into photographing people, then this is the place for you to be. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so let's move on to our topic this week. What makes a portrait great? This is a good one. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Where do we start? Well, this discussion is going to go beyond uh, the technical rules uh, of what makes a a portrait great. So I I don't want to talk about, you know, composition or color choice, backgrounds, pose, sharpness and light. We've had lots of episodes. Yeah, this is more about the intangible qualities of mm. what makes an image memorable and uh, that, that, that just stops us in our tracks and, yes. uh, you know, you either gasp or you just continue. Have you ever had, uh, it might be a work of art that you've seen and you just go home, you see it at the gallery, but mm. you just go home and you're still thinking about it, mm. right? Yes, and, yes. and so what is it? Like, you know, what is it? What are some of those qualities? So, and, and you know, for, for me, there's been images that I've seen that I'm still thinking about years and years later. Mm. And I know that you know, many of us have also had that experience where you might see an image in a film or it might be a line that you mm. read in a book. Uh, there is all sorts of uh, w- works of art that leave that lasting um, impression on us. But what is it? What are these intangible things? So I thought we'd do a deep dive on that yeah, great. Uh, today. So, Where do we start? Uh, all right. So I've got, I've got a few uh, thoughts on this. So to start with, I think when you're looking at art uh, or a, f- a photo and you, it might be the first thing that might strike you is that shock of the new. Mm-hmm. It's something, it's like either executed in a style that you've never seen, it might be the an angle that you've never seen, mm-hmm. or there's just something about it that is so, so new that it takes you by surprise and that might be enough to just go, oh my God, I've never seen this before. Now we've seen this in art history, like, you, you, you know, when the Impressionists uh, burst on the scene and do you know that they, they were like, when it started, they were like four mates that all went to art school together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they 
decided, so before the Impressionists started painting, what you saw was a really uh, almost photorealistic, good art was considered if you uh, copied exactly what was in front of you, yeah. uh, then that was considered good art. And uh, what these guys did is they went out and they're like, nah, we want to try something different. And they, they painted in an Impressionistic way. So it was like what they what they imagined they saw. So their brush strokes suddenly became a lot broader and they tried to capture like the highlights, the blown out bits, like, you know, it wasn't like in the past where you would see the detail in all the highlights and detail in all the shadows. Mm. They tried to paint in a way that was like, if you glanced at an image quickly, sometimes you don't see all the detail in the shadows and you don't get all the detail in the, the highlights are blown out. And it was the impression of the image. And so that, you know, when they first burst on the scene, it was like the shock of the new. And it did take them, like they did get laughed at at the start and it took them a couple of years to be accepted. And so, you know, I can think of an example in photography most recently is when drones came onto oh, the scene yeah. and when you we first saw those initial shots like I know that there was some wedding photographers that instead of taking photos of their bride and groom in the traditional way what they did was they got the couple to lie on the ground mm. and they did a couple shot from above and it's like you know when we first started seeing those images everyone was like you stopped because it's like oh I've never seen you know I've never seen the surf from above and those images are still quite striking and it's still still kind of newish so there's still that it's still enough uh, to shock you into uh, you know looking twice at that and then also even with uh, you know our food Val, when mm. when avocado toast first burst on the scene this was the shock of the new the fact that someone went to like some genius because before that you slice the avocado and put it on the bread right yeah and then you bring it to your mouth and half the avocado falls off. And then someone's <laughs> like, hey, you know how there's guacamole where you mash up the avocado? Why don't we just mash it up and spread it on the bread and then it all stay? And then we can charge a fortune for it <laughs> and everybody wins, right? Yes. So that's the shock of the new and everyone got excited about it and everyone like, you know, lined up around the block to get this av avocado toast. So it applies to uh, all levels of culture, this yeah. shock of the new. Okay. Um, and so that can be something that you can think about in your portrait images, uh, the angle that you shoot at. Or I'm, mm. I'm thinking specifically about like we see on Instagram where there'll be the, the travel hotspot that everyone wants to go to and you see that there are photographers that will see this great shot you know the main canal of venice everyone's done that shot mm. um and and so they'll go to that same spot where all the other photographers have have, sh have shot and get that same image like it's i need to get the same shot as everyone else but then when you place that image amongst all the others, it's it doesn't stand out. So yeah. it's just going, it's like we've all seen it before. Whereas what you can do um, taking that into account is like think of a way, how can I make this different? And that's what photography really is. It's, it's your interpretation of what you're seeing. So think about the ways that you can make your images stand out, but just by getting up higher or getting down, showing us a, a worm's eye view or the bird's mm. eye view, or just even uh, taking your model a couple of blocks away from all the uh, tourist hotspots and finding a, a another location to shoot in rather than 
than doing the sort of the, uh, the, 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 the country pathway with the warm sort of filter on it or <laughs> the, the sunset at the beach, which is, you know, honestly done to death. And we've, mm. we've seen it everywhere. And it d- doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good. It's just what everybody else is doing. So that's a good way. Uh, and if you did that, holding avocado toast... <laughs> It takes it to the next level, doesn't it? Don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. So uh, the next thing, Val, Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, will make a portrait great, I think, is, uh, and you can really hear the rain (laughs) pouring down (laughs) there in the background, is capturing that uh, authentic moment. So... When I'm shooting uh, a lot of the commercial stuff that I do, what the client wants from me is to manufacture an authentic moment or I'm manufacturing, I'm taking uh, four strangers who happen to be acting together Mm. and posing them in a way that they actually look like an authentic family or that it's like a, a male model and a female model who have just met five minutes ago and then they've got to act as a, a couple who's in love. Yes. Uh, and so, what I see uh, in a lot of advertising is it's not always believable. So it's and often when as portrait photographers, if you do have a real couple and they are in love and you capture those authentic moments, it does elevate that that image to another level because we as the viewer can recognise a genuine moment. I think and we're a bit more savvy now and we can see mm. the ones that are manufactured. Have you had seen any examples of that, Val, where you've seen? Uh, shots that are just like that's not real or the laugh looks fake or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, that. of course. And you do see it in um, a lot of stock imagery from time to time as well. Stock imagery is a classic example of it's just so over-styled mm. and over-manufactured that it's like, you know... Especially gl- when they're in a, in a business setting and they're pointing to the whiteboard. Oh, yes, <laughs> they're having a meeting and it's like, let me show you here and they're pointing and everyone looks really <laughs> stiff because the photographer's like, okay, that's great, hold that. Or I've seen images where everyone's out together and uh, it's like, say something funny so we all laugh and everyone laughs in yes. exactly the same way, yes. like they throw their head and you can just see that the photographer's directing them and it's like, no, when you throw your head back that far, I can <laughs> see what you had for lunch. <laughs> Just tilt your head forward and, and, you know, bring it down. So, and now, now laugh. And, and you know <laughs> that it's, it, it just feels so manufactured. So, um, what I did last week uh, was a, a big shoot for an Australian brand and what they did was they divided the shoot in two halves. So in the morning we had, uh, three models that we were shooting with and then in the second half of the day we had actual real people so young uh sort of 20 22 year olds like a group of them i think we had about eight of them who had never modeled before so what i did in the morning uh to to capture those authentic moments is i have to uh, think about positioning the models who had all never met before and then what I like to do is bring out outside elements to try and manufacture uh, a moment or make it authentic uh, a- a- as real as possible. So one thing that worked really well, was we had the model set up and had her in the pose and it, and it was kind of like that shot like, like, hey, look at me, don't I look good in my new clothes mm-hmm. kind of thing. And But what I did was there was a, a beautiful dog that was uh, passing by with its owner and, and really well trained. And uh, we asked the owner if we could bring the dog in and just 
the change in the level of authenticity for, for I just shot the girl the model reacting to this dog coming up to her and patting mm. it and it was just so genuine and it brought so much life into the shot that it was super authentic and we did that uh, in a couple of different scenarios so anything that you can do just to to change it up and and make that reaction authentic is going to um help that whole situation so in the afternoon i had uh, non-models to work with and because they were all friends and already knew each other all i had to do was sit them in the parameters obviously we needed to see uh you know the, the stuff that we were shooting and i had like the the edge of frame that i was concerned about but but basically all i did was say okay you know you, you just sit here and then i got like other members of the group to come in and walk in and out of frame and they didn't even know i was shooting i didn't tell them i just started shooting and they thought that um we were setting up lights and still setting up. They had no idea. So we managed to capture this whole series of natural um, and authentic reactions between them. And they, and they just sat there and they were chatting and, this, and it was all real. So it looks super authentic. So there's, there's little tricks like that that you can do. So don't right. actually tell the model that you're shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, like Richard Avedon, the uh, portrait photographer, American portrait photographer, what he used to do, so his images were really stark. So he often shot his uh, his portraits uh, like uh, with just simple black and white images on a plain like light grey or white background. So there's not a lot going on in the image. It's just about the person. But what he wanted to do was get rid of that photo face. He didn't mm. want them to show their mask, which is what it is. That's what your photo face is. It's a mask that we all hide behind, you know. So mm. he did these had all these little tactics that he would do that he would say stuff to deliberately shock them (laughs) into uh you know change and then he'd he'd he'd, um take the shot so that's uh some of the stuff he did was uh, like a bit cruel so it was the who's the guy that abdicated from the 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 the, the, uh queen's uncle because you've watched the crowd (laughs) what's his name king King, was it anyway the one that just said (laughs) that 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 wanted to be with his um, Wallace mistress, Wallace Simpson. Yeah, so those two, uh, when Avedon was shooting them. She wasn't his mistress. She was his wife, yes. right? <laughs> right, but she was a, a divorcee, wasn't yes. she? And it wasn't it wasn't cool mm-hmm. with the crown. Anyway, so he had those two to photograph and they were mm, huge dog lovers. Like they loved their dogs. And so he'd set them up and he was ready to shoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he's got is a portrait of them and they're both like um, – almost sneering or looking in shock at the camera. Mm. He said to them just before he took the frame, he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I ran over one of your dogs as I came in. Yeah. And, then, and then he grabbed their reaction. So not cool to do that. No. And so you can only get away with that once <laughs> and then you'd have to quickly leave. It'd be super awkward, no. you know. So that, that reminds me of like when I was doing a lot of um, magazine work for like, you know, there was some magazines where they do the uh, the big story or the big reveal about something. It'd be something controversial. And uh, some of the journalists insisted on doing the interview first 
and then I'd get to do the photos, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, But some of them would be like the journalists would just like ask the most revolting questions of these poor people mm-hmm. and then they'd leave and I'm left going, okay, that was awkward. Yeah. Now I've got to get some lovely <laughs> shots, you know. So I don't think that I'm quite comfortable in doing that sort of, you know, dropping a bombshell or doing something that's going to shock them into, uh, you know, get getting some kind of reaction. But mm. some people really dig it. Um, photographers like Annie Leibovitz. So if you're one of those photographers that wants to uh, get to know the people, so documenting, like we've uh, had a couple of day in the life, uh, Rowena Meadows, who does the day in the life of photography, the way that she captures the authentic uh, sort of looks and expressions of people is she's with them all day. So, and it's like reality TV, really. There is a point where at, when you've got a camera pointing at you, like, um, What's the reality? Survivor, when Mm. they're all on the island. Now, Mm. I know a lot of this is manufactured by the producers and they say stuff to get reactions, but there is a point, or Big Brother, right? Yeah. There is a point when you've got a camera pointing at at someone, after a certain point, everyone forgets the camera's there. So, um, artists like uh, Annie Leibovitz, like, you know, when she was working for Rolling Stone, she did like tours where she would embed herself with like the Rolling Stones, say, mm. and uh, for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And so after a certain time, they forgot she was there. Mm. And so she's just getting natural and authentic reactions. So if you're one of those photographers that like to document stuff, it's just a matter of being that kind of photographer that that, that is uh, – so you just go about, you fit in with your environment. Now, mm. this is not for everyone because there is photographer. Like for me, if I take a great shot, I need to tell everyone in the room that I've just taken a great <laughs> shot. Right? You've worked with me, right? So I would like, wait, wait, wait check this out look at this great it's just to remind everyone that there's a photographer in the room so obviously i'm not great at doing those documentary style shoots but the people who are uh, are very good at like basically everyone just forgets they're around so you know you can do that in a portrait shoot you can basically shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and you feel it in a shoot i i know there is a frame where i can see that that photo face has disappeared and that Mm. person has actually forgotten there's a camera there and they've just relaxed into themselves so there there is a way that you can do it and and you know as you do more and more and more of these shoots you'll you'll recognize when they drop that that mask that photo face Mm. and there's also those moments in between frames Val they're the the really important ones that you try and capture because it's like you know they put their mask on shoot 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 and it might be that you um, have a little remote in your hand that'll fire your camera which is so easy to do Mm. because you can connect your phone to it and then you can like just pretend that you go I'll, I'll just say j- just keep looking straight because I just want to check this this lights okay and these are two backlights and you can just keep firing it's mm. as, 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 so that they've already dropped their mask they're completely unaware and I've, I've captured some really beautiful moments in between frames so it's just a matter of looking looking out for them or you can get someone at, like you can say something and you make them laugh authentically and maybe the laugh is too too big for the portrait Trip, but as the smile fades, there's there's like a couple of milliseconds there where it's still in the eyes, mm. and so you can actually nab that shot. So, um, 
I think that's capturing that authentic real moment for me is what is something that I can recognize in an image and it does uh, stop me in my tracks and I do think that does make a portrait great. Mm, and do you practice this on people you know before you, you know, do it on your paid gigs? Yeah. Um, so with whether it's with your, you know, friends or family or whatever because it takes a while for you to realise when it is that the, the magic shot is, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, but also to recognise that moment where photo face mm. has slipped. So if you are just starting out and you get an opportunity to do, like you might be, uh, you might have your kids at a primary school or a, a high school and you get asked to do uh, the headshots you know, and you, or you get an opportunity to do like lots of people over the course of a day. So every five minutes you're getting them through. Those opportunities are fantastic at like, it's a real like baptism of fire and it's a really great way to, you start to see it really quickly. So we talk about a lot about that day that the photographer starts to see the light. You recognize the difference between a contrasty light, a flat light, mm. directional light. It's the same when you're posing and directing models there is that moment you will see it there's some there is a complete change in the energy it's hard yes. to pinpoint i can't just say that it's like these are the factors that you will notice it's 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 an intuitive thing i guarantee once you've done enough and that's a great tip Val, to just start photographing your family your friends be the one with the camera all the time and just you'll, you'll notice. And for me, it's somewhere around between frame 10 and frame 15, mm -hmm. but it could be a, a, a lot later, but I guarantee you'll start to see it. But also another reason to practice on people that you know is watch what happens when you change your energy because they feed off your energy. And if the shot that you want to get is a fairly, you know, um, low energy kind of shot for whatever reason obviously you as a photographer won't be jumping around and being hyper right you've got to also have low energy but the converse is also true if you want them to be if you want them to be you know smiling or laughing or a high energy kind of vibrant shot if you go in there in a in a, in a and speak in a monotone voice or in a low kind of voice they, they're going to feed off that and they're going to come, they're going to bring their energy down. Um, I was once with a, you know, um, somebody who's directing the shoot and I was the subject. Um, they wanted to do your trick, right? They wanted it to be all candid as in, so um, they were shooting when I didn't know they were shooting. Yep. Right. Um and it was about, I had to, it was actually video, but the same rules apply in that I knew that ultimately the, what they wanted was to me, for me to be speaking um, positively about the topic that we were filming. Yeah. But the, the director was just so low energy. And because I also didn't know it was being filmed, I was just, I was just, you know, just talking like this, just low energy, just right, not really and not smiling and you know what I mean so it actually looked like I hated that topic or th that I was really negative on that Wait, topic so so that you couldn't hear the the words they were just using it as a, an overlay so you'd never hear what you were saying but you could sense you could feel your no, energy no, no. they were using you were, my words as well oh they were right yeah so you would have been so really it was a disaster flat. yeah yeah complete disaster 
Um, and the, the client, so they were from the advertising agency and the client, you know, I'm sure that the client would have thought it was a disaster as well because they had picked me because they knew I would be positive about this, you know, topic. Um, but yeah, so that, that, so be aware of what, what, how the subject is going to play off your energy. You might think you're being cool, but you're not, you're just not achieving the outcome. Yeah, and but, but that's also a good point in connecting with your model as well. So a great photographer and any great connector like will match the person's energy that they're speaking mm. to. So yeah. uh, if you're and I, I've always done this, I will I will um, match whoever I'm speaking to. So if I'm speaking to someone and they talk really fast and they're really excited about everything, I just find myself going, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you too. <laughs> but if I and if I meet someone who's a bit more introverted and shy and softly spoken, then I immediately go to that as a default myself. And that is the fastest way to make someone feel comfortable uh, in your energy to, to match that. And then hopefully if you're a bit more skilled at directing and they're a bit flat and low, you can gradually bring up their mm. energy. Because if you try and force someone who's mm. shy and softly spoken to go from, oh my God, this is amazing, it's never going to look real. So you've mm. sort of got to kind of got to guide them up and yeah, keep encouraging yeah. them until before they know it they're they're at that level so there's a lot to it it's not just a matter of hey smile or laugh because if you ask someone to smile or laugh it's inauthentic they're going to put all their defenses they're going to do their photo face smile and their awkward laugh and it, it does like like we talked about the stock shots it doesn't look real. You want to get those genuine moments and uh, it does take some practice. But, yeah, yeah. good points, Val. Mm. All right. All right. Mm. So the other thing that I think makes an image, uh, a portrait image great is bringing in the life to the image. And so what I mean by that is if you've got an image and, like, we all done it, I've done it, is, like, focus on the clinical. So once you start to learn lighting and how to expose your camera correctly and even posing, you, um, like, I know I certainly did this, got fixated on all the technical aspects of the shot mm. and forgot about the emotional aspects mm. of the shot. And I see this a lot in headshots. There is this whole genre of headshots out there that are just so they're perfectly beautifully lit the person looks amazing i have no idea who they are when i look at that photo because everyone looks the same in their shots i can't feel the energy of the person and i think that's really important so yes it's important to get that technical excellence in your images. So you want to understand lighting because you can take the image from just the stock standard uh, daylight shoot, uh, which works for a lot of faces, but you can certainly take your images to the next level if you learn how to manipulate that lighting. So you can actually sculpt the face and you can flatter the person. So so they'll, they'll look great, but there's that, 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 that special something, the energy, the life isn't in the shot. So you want to work out ways to inject that extra energy or life in the shot. And there's little things that you can do. So, um, and some of them are kind of like you're going the opposite of getting that technical per perfection. And sometimes like a hint of blur 
can be nice. A hint of what? Uh, especially a, a hint of blur. What did you think I said? Oh, blur. <laughs> I was trying to figure out whether you were speaking French and saying blue. Uh, yes, a hint of blur. Bleu. Yes, sacre bleu, sacre bleu. <laughs> Sorry, bleu. apologies to all the French who are listening, who are going, oh, my God, these bogan Australians don't know how to speak. And, yes, I, did, I passed year nine French Thank you, Miss Moncrief, uh, for sitting still. Oh, you could have been saying, you know, oh, it was really bleh, you know. It was really bleh. So, so, but it's actually the word is blur, 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 B-L-U-R. So a hint of bleh, bleh. Now I can't help but be French. Um, in your images, particularly when you're shooting, say, a lifestyle shot where you've got a candid, you're trying to capture a candid moment. And so for those, I kind of will, you know, so say you're doing a room interior, you're showing off a beautiful uh, lounge room or something for a, a home catalogue or something like that, and you want to have a figure walking through the frame, then something that I like to do is slow the shutter speed down and then get the person to walk through the frame just so that there's that hint of blur in the <laughs> image and it kind of it, it gives the illusion that you've just sort of uh, glanced over at that image and it makes it more realistic and it's not perfect like because when everything is perfectly sharp all the way through it does feel clinical it does um it kind of creates this barrier it's like uh too perfect mm. yeah, um just on that mm. okay as an aside as i like to do val mm-hmm. I actually don't trust people who are too well-groomed. It's my own hang-up, personally. I don't know why, but there are two things. There are two issues with me. Whenever I see someone who is immaculately groomed from head to toe, hair perfect, makeup perfect, everything about them is perfect, clothes perfect, not a crease, everything, I want to ruffle their hair. Okay. And... You know when I'm in a, you know when you walk through the uh, glass section of a a Rita, like a, a, you know a Meyer or a David Jones or something like that, yeah. where all the glass, all the crystals in the cabinets and, and all of that, you so, know, yeah, like that's like sex. It takes mm-hmm. every ounce of my self control not to run with my hands and knock everything off. This I know there's something what? wrong with me. I just thought I'd, sh- yeah, it it, I, it I have to get out of there quickly because that's what I want to do. That's just weird. I know. It is weird. We know I'm weird. So let's go back to the blur. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when everything is perfect, 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 perfect in a shot, there is – it may just be me. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, Val. Mm-hmm. Not that you – do you trust well-groomed people? No. When you see something that's perfectly, perfectly – even when everything's perfect and perfect and perfect, does it sort of create a barrier for you or do you like that look? I don't mind it. I think it's fine. I don't have a problem mm. with it, really. So it's just me, is it? I think so. So should we cancel that as like you can take a shot and have everything perfect? But you get what I'm saying about sometimes yes. the imperfections. Yes. Like you put that into your art valves. You can't argue against it. Sometimes I've seen you grunge something up. Yes, true. 
right? Yes. So it is. I think it's the imperfection that that uh, makes something more. Uh, you can connect to it a lot yes. easier. So it can be if you're doing a headshot, it can be like someone that's got like longer hair, just like, a, and it doesn't have to be like a wind machine, but mm. like just a little zephyr of a breeze. You know, mm. breeze to just kick the hair out a little bit adds that little bit of uh, quality. Or if you're doing an interior, it might be that the curtain is just slightly blowing or even um, a bit of flare, sun flare in the Mm, shot as well, that it's like not supposed to be there, but it just, that imperfection is, I think, gives that image another level of authenticity or even that slight motion blur. So I think those little things, to me, when I see a shot or like, you know, if we look at old school images where they're shot with film, there's something about the grain that you see in the image and that's also a little bit of imperfection. I kind of like it or the the edges are slightly out of focus or there's a little bit of a vignette. Those Just those little moments... I think uh, elevate that image and make it feel more authentic. Okay, yes, I do agree. Yes, makes sense. Should I get help about my I fear think possibly. of? <laughs> is it an issue? Do you think there's something well, wrong with it? Well, it's certainly an issue with if you're in a department store and you want to knock all the stuff over. Yes, I do. I have That's... to ho- put my hands in my pockets to stop Ooh. me from doing it. Okay. It's just that rebel nature. I know. All right. So finally, Val, Mm -hmm. I think one thing that makes uh, all photography stand out is the infusion of love and the love of the subject. So I don't mean you don't need to be romantically (laughs) in love with the subject because that's kind of stalking, isn't it? (laughs) But it's just that like, and I hear this a lot where photographers are starting out and you know, this happened to me. I thought I want to do fashion photography. I think I love it. I didn't really love it. Mm. I was in love with the idea, but Mm. it wasn't until I started doing it that I'm like, I actually don't like this. Mm. And I couldn't connect to the subject and it it didn't, I didn't care enough about it. And it shows in the work because it's like the, the love isn't there. So it's great at when you're starting out to try on lots of different genres until you'll know. It's like when you meet that special mm. person that's supposed to be in your life, you will know that that's the right thing. But you And you did this with your art, Val. You tried on, you started Heaps with macrame. You tried, like, you've done so many different styles until I think now you've kind of, have you found the one? Is this it? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I'm narrowing yeah. it down way more for sure. I still do yeah, a variety so, of things, but I've narrowed it down heaps. Yeah, but but to in order to get you to this point, you needed to try yeah. a whole heap of other stuff. And you didn't just dabble. You throw yourself in mm. completely, compulsively, obsessively <laughs> <laughs> into mm-hmm. these areas, which, which is what you need to do. But the, but the good news is when you find that subject that you go, oh, oh my God, I love doing this, mm. I care about it, mm. that – that somehow gets infused in the work. So there's a great quote by Annie Leibovitz. I'm on an Annie thing today. Uh, a thing that you see in my pictures is that I was not afraid to fall in love with these people. And again, it's not a romantic love, but it's like, and I feel it too when I'm doing that, when I'm doing a portrait. In that moment, when I'm photographing that person, all I care about is capturing that person mm. and that's and and that's it and and I try and infuse that love uh, in my image and um, just on that you can um, like I, I 
you can have two people that will uh, you give them the same ingredients to cook a recipe. So there'll be mm. two different restaurants, all right? Exact mm. same ingredients. And yet, how come that one restaurant, everyone's lined up around the block oh, to get yeah. that same meal and the other restaurant, everyone, like it's half empty. Yeah. What is it when it's the same ingredients? Yeah. There's that, that one thing that's missing is that, that one chef actually cooks with love he mm. cares about how he prepares those uh raw ingredients and it's the same in photography so it's easy you can see the difference between a photographer that's just hacking it out mm. just to, to to get the paycheck at the end and the photographer that actually approaches that image and puts all the love in it and another great quote from don mccullen who was a a, a war photographer Photography for me is not looking, it's feeling. If you can't feel what you're looking at, then you're never going to get others to feel anything when they look mm, at your pictures. Right. And I agree with that quote a thousand percent. Mm. So if you don't care about your images, how do you expect anyone around you to care about your images? So there you go, Val. There's uh, a wow. few things to think about and it's it's not just about what lens you use or exposure or or exposure yes these are all important Mm. but there is also that also these additional things that i want you to think about when you take your next photo and uh where's the love love it fantastic okay geez that was really good that was a bit different but i really liked it thanks So we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Are you doing more shooting or what? Yeah, so I've got um, some TV to do. I've got a couple of big shoots uh, coming up, so they will take up uh, most of the rest of the week. And uh, right now I'm going to jump off and um, answer some questions for the Goldies in the uh, Facebook group. What have you got going on, Val? Oh, 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 and I'm going to finish building your arc and (laughs) I'm going to keep watching um, my new favourite show (laughs) that you recommended that's so bad that I'm embarrassed that I'm saying this, but it's so good. Riviera, guys. It's on In Australia, it's on SBS. On demand. I guarantee it'll be somewhere in the rest of the world. But if you just – if you're missing travel – and mm. you want a show that you don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. It's just pure entertainment. The act, okay, the acting's okay. okay. <laughs> the lighting is just to give people ter- an idea. Um, it's a, a series. It's currently up to season three. It stars Julia Stiles, and um, in the first season, Lena Olin, Anthony LaPaglia, um, and it's set in the French Riviera. And it's about a young art dealer who is Julia Stiles, who is married to a rich uh, banker. That's Anthony LaPaglia. And this isn't any spoiler because it happens in the first episode. banker with a B, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, (laughs) just checking. In the first episode, he gets blown up or his yacht gets blown up and it's about her dealing with the aftermath of discovering the man who he really was. 
But there's been so many, so, so, so Valerie, and this is, was really good of you, Val. So Mm -hmm. if you want me to watch other stuff in the future, Mm -hmm. undersell it like you undersold Riviera, you practically talked me out of, was it reverse psychology? (laughs) I'm like, did I just get had? You practically, you're like, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like the lighting. You'll be angry at the lighting. So I'm like, oh, don't tell me what I'm going to not like. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. So I watch it and I'm like half an episode episode in and I start texting you I'm like all right so whoever lit this doesn't like women right they clearly but it's so really bad it is, in, in the season, lighting in is so bad one. so it's worth watching mm. just to see how bad yeah, the lighting is because what they do is they light with natural light with no consideration for flattering the subject in fact mm. I think they the look brief worse. was make everyone look haggard mm. Don't terrible. you think? So it's hard sun, down lighting so you can see the bags under their right. And I was just offended the whole time. I've gotten mm. over that, Val, because okay. it's like I need to get over this because I shouldn't be hate watching something. Yeah. But it's very enjoyable because, for the, for know, the real estate porn. And the, yes. Oh. And by the time you get to season two, they've obviously um, engaged the services of a top, top stylist who should be – who's probably styling for Vogue because every mm. single scene – all of the clothes and the styling are just phenomenal. So it's, 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 it's just picture perfect in season two. Uh, but what's yeah. interesting by the time you get to season three is that they've clearly got another stylist because um, yeah. it's a different, very different feel for the clothes and the settings again as well. So, uh, But the lighting doesn't improve in seasons two and three. Yeah, so I think they got a. Like, I'll check because I go in and I check the crew list, mm. and I'm like, right, who's lighting this? Let me have a look. Uh. Yeah, but it's like daylight, no bueno. So yeah, check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, yep. <laughs> jump on the fan club with us. Uh, what are you up to, Val? Oh my goodness, I'll be swimming to the shops or getting a boat yeah. to the shops if the rain doesn't stop. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> All right, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media, including Clubhouse. And mm-hmm. if you want to take your photography to the next level, then do check out the Gold Community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on membership. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo. That's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.